Welcome in West Tigers fans to another episode of the Westlife Podcast. I am your host, Josh Barnett. We are brought to you by the Holman Barnes Group, which includes West Ashfield League's best place to watch the game live and loud on Thursday night. We'll preview that game uh, on Wednesday. We take on the Dragons, the Wooden Spoon uh, final, I guess you could call it. But um, yeah, check out the Garden Bistro and walk on before the game and watch the game on the big screen at Westlife Pod on Instagram and Twitter and check out the Linktree link on that profile. Actually, I forget to mention this all the time. The Linktree link should be also, if you listen to this episode, uh, audio. It's literally in the description. So if you want to find any of the things that we do, including our Patreon, and we do have a new Patreon, Benji Marshall member who joined yesterday. So patreon.com forward slash Westlife. And that is Lisa. So welcome along to Lisa. Um, Lisa, if you're listening, check your DMs. I'll send you a link to our Discord. Come join. Uh, it's been blowing up. I've, I've struggled to keep up with our Discord today. I just, like, uh, through work and everything, the guys and girls are just um, firing off this episode. <laughs> it's, uh, it might be a long one, fellas. I even got a special guest to help us get through all of the bullshit of being a West, uh, West Tigers fans. It's kind of... Hitting its peak, um, Mr. Basharo, kind of, I don't know, are we are we at the peak of the, the, the West Tigers? That, that kind of suggests that it doesn't get any worse, but are we at the peak of the West Tigers bullshit shitstorm? G'day, Josh. G'day, Brendan. Thanks for joining us. G'day, Aaron. Uh, have we reached our, our lowest of lows? I don't know yet, Josh. I really don't know. Um, I think we've had more articles in the last 24 hours than we've had wins over the last two seasons. So um, just been an absolute shitstorm of West Tigers news. Uh, I got a bit of a headache watching 360 tonight and uh, Lee Hadjapantelis and his uh, evasive answers. But yeah, look, we'll, we'll, we'll plough through it and try to get through everything. But yeah, it's not, um, not the best time to be a West Tigers supporter, but you just got to try and block it out and uh, like I, I keep saying to the listeners the last few weeks just um find something that keeps you happy because our rugby league club certainly doesn't do that at the moment absolutely and we've got a special uh as i mentioned special guest on the show not for the first time brandon this is your second time on the show you were here on previously for a um uh what episode was it event pod yeah uh, grievance pod grievance pod that's the one and you Send us an email, and everyone's welcome to do this. Podcast at westlife.com. Shoot us, shoot, um, shoot us for an email and tell us what's happening and suggestions and feedback and all that sort of thing. And Brennan uh, proposed to us. He's put together a list of all this, basically all the fuck-ups that management have had since in Pasco's tenure, and I thought it's a perfect episode. Come along on the show as we discuss um, all of that fun stuff as well tonight and uh mr thompson how are you going this evening yeah g'day josh g'day rob g'day brandon uh oh i'm all right it's uh feeling pretty glum after another disappointing game um over the weekend and then obviously the rest of the round to go through afterwards but i'm just extremely hyped for the nrlw season kicking off this weekend with our debut game so i'm very excited for that yep which is Sunday, isn't it? That's kind of that's a sad thing, isn't it? It's kind of fading, um, fading in the background a little bit. The, <laughs> yeah, Sunday um, for that one. 
the girls. Uh, Shanzi Presser. I'll save the Shanzi Presser for after. Let's go straight into. Uh, so this whole Sheen's Marshall debacle. Um, I'm not sorry with Scott Fulton, the recruitment manager. So uh, Lee Hajimatelis. He went on to NRL 360 tonight to pour uh, water on the flames. I guess to um with lack of a better analogy, but um, look, we'll get straight into it and then I'll throw it to the boys on what they thought, um, yeah, what Lee said tonight. So here he is talking about Scott Fulton. You'd think that you would have spoken to him about this. No, look, I agree with everything you say. However, Scott's role is to go out and recruit the players that Benji and Tim wants. Uh, Scott is regarded as perhaps the best recruiter in the game, and he came to us very highly uh, recommended. We did our due diligence. Uh, we spoke to a number of interested parties, and he came, as I say, highly recommended. We employed him. His role is to go and recruit the players that Benji and Tim want. Lee, your chief executive, Justin Pascoe, has been there. Uh, Robert's a big call. He's called him the best recruitment guy out there but uh this whole benji apparently they've they've had a separate meeting today so the whole thing was they're going to go into a meeting today that is scott fulton and benji marshall apparently are not getting along they're not agreeing on what players to recruit they ended up having meetings separately because apparently benji was on the field and didn't have time uh to meet with justin lee and scott but what's the latest you've heard on this whole debacle Oh, look, only what we heard on NRL 360 tonight. I mean, you know, I really don't have much good to say about Hadjipantelis as normal, but, you know, he called it a storm in the teacup again. Um, he said the relationship between Fulton and Marshall was professional, civil and polite. Uh, the fact that they had to be interviewed separately is not a good look. I mean, you think they'd need to be in the room together, all parties together, and just be told to pull their heads in this is your old Benji, this is your old Scott. This I know some of it overlaps. This is how it's going to work. Uh, do you have a problem with that, yes or no, and just move on from there. So I, I don't think the fact that they got interviewed separately, uh, you know, is a, <laughs> a good look of unity. Mm. Um, as for the best recruiter in the, in the NRL, I'm not over all that stuff. Josh, I don't know who the best recruiter is. Um, they, according to NRL 360 or Braith and Asta, it's only his, this year was his first full season in charge of the top grade at Manly for that recruitment. So to say he's the best after one season is probably unrealistic, but, you know, Lee likes to, you know, sort of uh, spin a story. But uh, look, it's it's just not a good look. And obviously they went through the examples of uh, Josh Schuster, the Fainu brothers, uh, the talk about the halfbacks, whether we get Aiden Caesar um, or whether we get Cogger from Penrith. And they've disagreed on a number of issues there and, Look, I just think it comes back to how Fulton was recruited. It was done poorly. It needed to be done up front. With, and, and the coaches needed to be told what was happening. So everyone was unified. But you don't just get a recruiter, put him in and just off you go sort of thing. You've got to get them in and basically say whose role is what. Because at the end of the day, the coach does have to have the final say. But at the same time, Fulton can't do his job if he doesn't know what players Benji wants. So it should never have... I mean, what a poor start. He's only been there six or eight weeks. So it's just not a good way to, to, to you know, do things. I don't think Sheens is very happy that his mate McDonald got pushed out because that was a whole proviso of Sheens coming back originally. When Sheens came back, he said he wanted his mate 
uh, Lauren McDonald back there. So I don't think Sheens is playing very nice anyway, and he's probably trying to white ant Fulton. So look, there's just there's just no harmony there, and it's just not good, not only for us recruiting players, but also for players at our club wanting to stay. Um, and, you know, I guess you'll get onto other stuff later, Josh, but, you know, the fact that the player managers have got so much power and, and you know, kind of putting a gun to our heads, you know, doesn't really help much as well. Uh, yeah, we've got a clip of Buzz talking about that. We'll get to in a second. But here's Lee, uh, a little bit more from Lee tonight. Forward. Why are you still the right people to take it forward? Uh, well, Brett, no, I perfectly understand the frustration. I share in it. I mean, no one wants to be at the bottom of the table two years in a row. As I said, it's embarrassing. Uh, but as to the leadership, I serve, as does Justin, at the pleasure of the board. Now, you, to, you understand, of course, that the board represents the owners of this organisation and they decide who sits in the chairman's seat and who doesn't, and they decide who the CEO is. As to Justin, it should also be understood, there's no decisions taken whatsoever by Justin that's not ratified by the board. He doesn't appoint coaches, he doesn't go out and recruit players. His role is the chief of, a, of the executive, uh, which involves him in all the operational matters. Uh, the buck stops with the board. Right, a little bit of Lee going into bat for his board and his CEO a bit there. He does say a little bit more about Justin Pascoe uh, later on. Oh, actually, I'll play that back-to-back, -back, actually. executive Justin Pascoe has been there a long time. You're the chairman. You look like you're going to win a second wooden spoon this year. How much pressure is he under, Justin Pascoe? A lot. As a lot, Buzz, as we all are, incredible pressure. This, the last couple of weeks have been the worst of my tenure as a chairman. The, the, but this entire club is feeling the pressure all the way from chairman through the board, through the executive, all the way down to the players. They all feel it. Um, I mean, no one's immune from it. Uh, winning another wooden spoon, if you can call it winning, uh, is something that we're all embarrassed about. Well, we're not there yet. I mean, we haven't given up on this year. Um, can, but can it, it's, you, it's something that we're not proud of and we're embarrassed by it. Can you guarantee Justin's job beyond this year or...? No. You can't guarantee his job? No. Buzz, you will never hear me use the words guarantee. There are legal implications of guaranteeing someone's employment, but as we stand here today, there is no reason to think that Justin Pascoe will not be the CEO in 2024. He big, big... Uh, Rob, just quickly, that's the first we've ever heard of a possibility that Justin Pascoe might not have a job in the near yeah, future. I, I... Josh, I don't know how much more you've got of this to play, but later on he says, Sheen's, uh, what were his words? I'm trying to think. Uh, so he was asked, will Sheen's be the coach next year? Yeah, I've got that. And, yeah. and his reply was, that's what his contract says. Now, he's also just said in that clip that you've played, he doesn't give guarantees because there are legal uh, ramifications from that. Two or three weeks ago on SEN Radio, when, when asked about Sheens, he said, you can be certain of three things in life, death, taxes, and Tim Sheens will be the West Tigers coach next year. So that's an awful shift in, in how he's conveying his message from a few weeks ago on radio to suddenly now he's contracted next year and I don't give guarantees. So again, I mean, what he said on radio a few weeks ago to me is a guarantee. Now it doesn't seem like a guarantee. So I would call that, uh, a porky, uh, for want of a better term. Brandon's probably the right time to show us your list, buddy. So you, you've made up a list of all the things. Uh, so basically a good reason why Justin Pascoe might not have a job next year. What have you got for us? 
Yeah, g'day everyone. G'day boys. Um, yeah, so look, I've I actually um I actually did a bit of research on top of this just to make sure um, that everything was sort of uh, sort of accountable and, and, and accurate. So <clears throat> I'll, I'll just read it off. So I got it off someone else pretty much. So it's not, so I've said to Josh privately that it's not, um, it's not exactly all my information. I got it off someone else, but I did do some research and, and, and basically um, verify like articles and stuff like that. So I just want to run through just like, um, a few of them uh, of each year ever since Pasco has come in. So um, I'll just be ready and, and do that. If go we for can it. do that now. So, yeah, go um, yeah so 2015, uh, September 2015, uh, Pasco was appointed. Um, and basically between 15 to 17, his first big decision uh, was to tick off coach Jason Taylor wanting to ax Robbie Farah. And I think that's basically where it starts to fall to shit for us in the club. I agree so, with that. Yep. Um, so from, some, from there onwards, um, so I've just got it in, in just bullet points. I might send you the list, Josh, later um, for future use or whatever. So sure. 2017 uh, in April. So we sign off. Uh, we sign off Jason Taylor after being, after being sacked, uh, after <clears throat> the sacking of Farrell. Um, moving to Souths. Um, Ivan Cleary is then uh, put in to head coach. Um, Ivan Cleary tells off-contract stars to get on and get on the bus, and we know how long that went for, pretty much. Um, and pretty much in May, um, we lost Tedesco, we lost Moses, and uh, we then decided it's a good idea to sign Packer, Josh Reynolds, Ben Maddalino on big money contracts. Chris McQueen. Um, and Chris McQueen. Yep, Chris McQueen. That's another yeah. one. Um, we we also lost backpack too, sorry, Brendan. Yeah, we also right. lost Aaron along with Moses and Tedesco. Yeah, exactly right. So, like, yeah, just – and even – yeah, even be free to join in uh, whenever as well. Um, yeah, yep. Get your input. So um, how much so, – just to stop you there, Brendan, how much um, – and – We've got a clip of Aaron Woods basically saying that the three of them left. We're going to play that soon, but the three of them leaving because of management, basically. But how much, Rob, do you think that's because of Ivan Cleary? That the board, that the three guys left because of Ivan Cleary? Yeah, well, he, he was in charge at the time. The whole are you on the bus or are you off it was kind of from him. How much, how much do you think of that stuff ups on Ivan? Not, not, I don't think much of it is on Ivan at all. I, I think that was down to management, as we'll, as we'll hear now. I think it was the fact that we didn't know which direction the club was going in because basically they they had a choice of, of backing Robbie Farah or Jason Taylor. They backed Jason Taylor, and then six months later, Taylor's sacked. And they're like, you know, what the hell is going on? Uh, further to that, which... Woods doesn't mention in his interview. Um, good mate of mine, Joe Weeby, who was you know called a, a player whisperer. He was helping the Tigers pre-season and at the start of the season. And after round one, when the Tigers beat South comfortably, uh, Joe Weeby was shown the door, and he was working with those three players individually, and that didn't sit well with them as well. So they just realised this club is just you know they're, they're not true to their word. They keep chopping and changing what they're doing. They've embarrassed us. Um, and they just thought, you know what, this club's not going anywhere, so we're out of here. 
and, and that's basically what led to those three blokes leaving. It had nothing to do, in my opinion, with Cleary because, um, like those Woods and Tedesco had a deadline, okay, to to agree to sign with the club, and funny enough, that was the day I I was introducing Adrian Tripodina to Justin Pascoe, and he and he came and and met me at my place. He actually said, "I want to get away from the media." Um, so look, that, that just wasn't going to happen. The, the boys were already made their mind out up that they were going to leave. Uh, Luke Brooks was the only one that stayed. The reason Luke Brooks stayed wasn't over loyalty. No other club wanted him. So that's, that was the whole reason we kept, uh, Luke Brooks. But I, I don't believe back to your question. I don't believe that had anything to do with Ivan Cleary whatsoever. Right. Everybody keep going. Brendan. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, in that season of 2017, uh, we went on to finish 14th with seven wins, 17 losses. So I'm also taking account uh, each year and how well we did uh, performance-wise as well. So into 2018, um, we had signed Moses Embai on a four-year, really big four-year deal from Canary Bankstown Bulldogs. Uh, Pasco gets blindsided by Ivan Cleary, who is had a link to Penrith Panthers on a $5 million deal, and he's still there now. Um, it emerges that, uh, you know, Pat Cleary had talks for a, a, over a month, uh, basically backstabbing Pascoe, which can't I can't really sort of blame him for that. But it, the fact that, you know, the guy you work next to, you don't and you don't, you know, even try and get him interested to help and reform the club goes to show that Pascoe is still quite incompetent with his job and keeping retention and keeping staff there. So in that year, in 2018, we finished ninth in the ladder with 12 wins and 12 losses. So a slight improvement from the year before. Um, going into uh, pretty much into pre-season, because we never make finals, um, uh, pretty much we signed Ryan Madison um, on a three-year contract, which was going to end at 2021. Um, and pretty much uh, Pasco then also t- ticked off Luke Brooks uh, signing a four-year contract because no one else wanted him, like Rob said. Um, and now I've noted he this is the, big in, the biggest turning point, I reckon, for the club at this point um, when Pasco was in charge. In December 2018, uh, Pasco is deregistered by the NRL for six months mm. for failing to disclose $640,000 your arrangement for Robbie Farrow as a club ambassador. Um, Now, because of that, we were penalised for uh, three quarters of a million dollars off the cap for the next two years. Two years, yeah. And so, but after that, right, in June 2019, he's then reinstated back into CEO. So if you're caught, uh, not disclosing figures, how can you keep your job as a CEO? That's what I never understood because if, Crazy. if they had the, if they had the balls back then, this all this bullshit and rubbish could have stopped in the middle of 2019 and we probably wouldn't okay, be discussing how, how, okay. how like the way this club is now. Say that again, Rob. I was just saying they had the club had their chance to get rid of Pasco. There and then. I mean, I, I think some of those fines and, uh, you know, length of suspension for Pasco was reduced uh, later on. And But, like, yeah, the right. salary cap affected for a couple of years. And, yeah, that was a perfect opportunity to get rid of a guy that was an absolute dud. And and we didn't do it. And and that's that goes back on the board as well. So, 
you know, I, d- I don't think I don't think Lee was there at the time. It might have been under Marina Goes uh, tenure, but uh, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, it was just before Lee uh, signed on. She yeah, was there. Decision. Twenty nineteen started twenty nineteen season because um, she was literally the first episode of this podcast. She was my interview, and she said on the show that she's res- resigning. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, how how different could it could it have been if we just had the balls then and 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 got new management and and possibly new board from that point onwards? Like, it yeah. huge difference. I think that that's really the big turning point, right there, was to getting to get rid of him there and there. Yeah. So, um, so so going onwards in 2019, we signed uh, Josh Reynolds uh, till the end of 2021 on 750 thousand a year. Um, Adam Hardikin is then uh, appointed in July uh, for general manager of football. And <clears throat> in October 2019, um, Ryan Madison, with two years left on his contract, blows up the club and signs with Parramatta. And he's been with Parramatta since. Um, so we'll roll on to 2020. Um, we yeah, take. Do- Sorry, can I just jump in? Yeah. Josh Reynolds was signed in 2017 to join us in 2018, not not 2019. That, oh, that's, sorry. That, that's all right, sorry, but that's yeah. just just in case someone jacks up on the listening and and yeah. sends a message. He was he was basically Josh Reynolds and Chris McQueen were knee jerk signings that we made within a month of losing Woods and Tedesco to say, look at us, we've got these representative players when, in fact, they were ex-representative players that hadn't played for New South Wales or Queensland for a couple of years. So that, they were, you know, signings made just to save face. Um, and that was that was in the middle of 2017. We actually didn't have a coach at the time when we made the signings. I think we had an interim coach. Yeah, that's it. It was Webster, um, so wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I think it was Webster, actually. Yeah. Which is funny yeah. because Webster was only the coach for... I think two or three games before um, Ivan yeah. was signed. Yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah, yeah no, sorry. He's, no, he's killing the Warriors. So, um, yeah, so from uh, so going to 2020, uh, into the COVID years, we um, rolled the dice with Joey Lelua and, well, look how that turned out. So um, and then uh, in June 2020, Maguire decides to cut uh, uh, Benji to having another year with the Tigers. So I think after that, he went to South. Um, and pretty much from there in August, 2020, we finished 11th with seven wins and 13 losses. So a win and loss ratio starts to get worse. Um, the further it goes down, obviously that's, um, if you accumulate, obviously the plan roster and, uh, all other factors in there, it's, it all, it all amounts together pretty much. Yeah. Um, so then at the end of 2020, we signed Jimmy Roberts and he wasn't, again, wasn't great. So, and which rolls into 2021. Um, so Tigers were booed off uh, in the round five game against North Queensland in commemorating uh, the legend of Tommy Radonikus. I will never forget that because that was disgraceful. And look, I think on the day, it was emotions were high. I think it was kind of warranted, but I think that's, as well as that, certain, they didn't really certain do much. person. If you look at the photo of that, there's a certain person in the crowd uh, that you might recognise the photo on that one. <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. Right. 
So um, in May 2021, we had two wins and six losses out of uh, the first eight games, and the pressure was on Maguire to perform. Uh, the club appoints Sheens as director of football um, in June 2021, and then after that, uh, you know, we had the uh, we had the great documentary, um, Tiger Town, Tiger Town. So uh, documenting all of this, um, and uh, I will make note as well. So in one of the games there, we got thumped by Melbourne. If you remember, six six to sixteen. Yep. Um, and that was really really bad. And then in that game, in that um, in that season, we then lose thirty eight nil by Wooden Spooners to Canterbury. And um, that was last so then, game of the year. Yeah. Last game of the year, and uh, as a stat, um, we had. Eight wins, sixteen losses. We considered seven hundred and fourteen points, the worst average points league since two thousand and one for the club. Mm. Um, so then, going into that, Pasco decides, let's do an internal season review, and he does that alongside with Sheens and Lee, and uh, I think it was also Danny Stapleton and the head of football Adam Hardigan at the time, and they find nothing's wrong. So again, they've got no accountability. Uh, in terms of the way they want to get, uh, in terms of the way they want to direct the club, so it keeps them mounting. Maguire survives the axe, and uh, we move into 2022 now. So uh, we start zero from five, and the blowtorch is then applied to Maguire. So then we sack another coach, and uh, uh, well, sorry, before that, um, before that, uh, Pasco went to Northern Territory for a holiday and. There was a bit of a conspiracy that uh, he was sort of faking his celebrations whilst over in the Northern Territory watching. hundred percent, he, he fed that to um, what's the journalist we had on the show? Michael Shamus. Michael Shamus, hundred percent, hundred percent, he fed that to him. The yeah. weekend. Of I mean, who, well, who does that? A, a, a bloody psychopath. That's who. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. It's fucking weird, man. It's weird. Like, and it's it was. So, and if you remember watching the footage, it was so like, it was sort of like, okay, now go. And it's like, oh, he's just putting his hands up, like, like he's giving a shit. Like, yeah, it's just it's from just behind, one thing after yeah. another. So, um, so from that point onwards, we we put Noddy in charge as the interim, and uh, Noddy's record is probably one of the worst. Records in the NRL uh, with one win and eleven losses. So, um, and from July twenty twenty two onwards, uh, Sheens, Marshall, and Farah has been appointed to the Tigers coaching team for twenty three. And um, if you remember, in t- August twenty twenty two, the Roosters, which has now been beaten from the Cowboys, handed us seventy two six loss, and we got given the wooden spoon. So, uh, gradually over time, all these decisions of players and coaches being sacked. Um, it all comes from the top, pretty much. Um, and so I think uh, without going into 2023 at the moment, um, what do you guys think so far of the review and, and what you've what you've thought so far? Yeah, Brandon, thanks for doing that comprehensive list. It's just... It's actually a couple of things. I wouldn't say I forgot, but just like, just there's been so many that you kind of that goes to the back of the list, in the back of the head. Mm. Um, Aaron, like, just how it's just insane that someone can continue to be in a position after uh, just 
fuck up after fuck up year after year. It's crazy. The word I'd use to describe it at the moment is diabolical. It is that bad. Um, I will I will say one thing. Like there were a few good signings in there. Like the signing of Ryan Madison at the time was a brilliant mm. signing. Um, yeah, it, the only issue with that was the situation regarding his exit and mm. how that came about and how that was all handled where I think he should have been made to stay at the club. And if he wanted to sulk because he didn't want to come to training after we'd been knocked out of finals contention that he should be made to just sit in reserve grade. But then like the club, they've had a habit of, um, you know, bending over and taking it um, when it comes to giving players who want to leave the club what they want and like obviously we get nothing in return it's happened time after time after time um letting players go not getting anything in return and Mm. just being basically being dumped on by all the other clubs because they're getting what they want from us um and we're basically not and for the most part we just haven't demanded anything from them and that's to me that's one of the other frustrating parts of this whole situation this whole process um but yeah overall to sum it up, I'd, I'd just say it's diabolical. Right, I'll go back to another clip uh, on the on NRL three sixty. No, no, look, I understand that we're not immune. I mean, we have ticked a lot of boxes. Uh, our roster is much stronger than what it was last year. Unfortunately, the results haven't borne that out. But we know there are challenges, particularly around the halves. You know, we're we're losing Luke. Um, Adam Dewey's been out injured for quite some time and will be all through half of next year at least. So there are challenges presented, but there, are, there is a lot of upside. We, we've significantly improved this roster. Uh, Bateman, Ice, uh, Clemmer, um, uh, Appy, for example. Uh, finding uh, Buller at the back has been a revelation. So there's a lot of upside. And I think, I think player managers, from my understanding and having discussions with them, are showing a lot of faith in what we're doing. So the player managers aren't complaining and, and the players aren't worried? about the way that the West Tigers are heading at the moment? Well, as to the players, I'm sure they are. I don't, I don't converse or discuss these things with the players. There's, there's a lot of layers between me and the players, as there should be. Um, there's an executive, of course, in the football department and the coaches. I don't intervene in that. I don't step on their toes whatsoever so far as the players are concerned. Player managers have expressed a view. Uh, we've mm. taken that on board. Uh, as a club, it would be ridiculous of us not to consider uh, other stakeholders. And forget, don't forget that player managers have the product. Uh, they control the supply chain. So you've got to keep them on side. Lee, uh, What do you make of that, Rob? Is there a little bit of a sucking up, trying to make it up to these player managers? He said it's all good, but the way he kind of finishes that with um, yeah, giving player managers a bit of a compliment there, seems like he's trying to clean it up a little bit. Yeah, I'm not sure if he says it before or just after that, Josh, but he goes, player managers control the product. They control the supply and demand. Um, look, they, they, it is difficult, like I say, but, you know, some some managers have 70, 80 players on their roster, so it's just a bit of a bit of a juggling act. Um, I, I just can't get past everything. Like, you know, you talk about the halfback situation. I just... You know, that's got to fall on the coaches, but then you've got to say who appointed the coaches. Like, with all that stuff that Brendan's run through now, with my conversation with Lee Hatch-Pentelis, his big knock on Madge was we'd gone backwards. We'd gone 9th, 11th, 13th, and that, you know, we just can't keep going backwards. It has to change. But since Sheens has been in charge of the decisions, we've gone 16th, and we're currently sitting 17th. So I think... You know, you can't be a hypocrite. It can't, it can't be, well, it's not good for Madge and it's not good for Tim and Benji. 
So I, I just think this whole halfback thing is on Sheens and Benji because, as we've said, we lost Madden, we lost Hastings, and we've offered Brooks basically half the money that we offered Mitch Moses. And and they're right, there is a scarce amount of halfbacks out that you can buy now, but we should never have been in this position if the coaches had identified who was right to be our halfbacks. And the, and the problem is, though, who appointed those coaches? Okay, so it all falls back to the board and how they got it wrong. And look at who our halves were on the weekend. We had Brandon Wakeham, who we signed in January, and Will Smith, who was on a train and trial. So they haven't even had a full preseason with us. Um, you know, and I, I know, and the first thing West Tigers fans do is bag the halfback. I still think Wakeham was okay the other night. I'm going to sound like a defender of him, but but I am. I mean, he, he mm. he's, you know, provides a try assist to Buller. He gets involved in the in the try twice for the Coruscant kick. Um, his defense has been pretty good. Um, his kicking has been okay, given the fact that he's like literally on a minimum contract. I think he's overachieved. But you know, when when we blame our results, you've got to blame it on the players and the coaches. But again, who employed those guys? It goes back to the top. And the biggest problem I've got is they say they take accountability. But they actually don't, guys. You, you can't take accountability without the consequences of accountability. You've got to step down or you've got to move on or you've got to be fined or you've got to be sacked or you've got to be suspended. You can't just say, yep, that's on me and go back to work five seconds later. It doesn't work like that. And that's a problem with our club. They're trying their best. We know all that. But there's no accountability. Never has been. Never will be. And... When's it going to end? It just I, That's why I say I don't know if we've reached our lowest point yet, Josh. Well, here's Lee, uh, basically a message out to the fans when he finished his interview tonight. The fed up with the, the lack of success there for a long period of time. How do you gu- guarantee uh, change in the future? Well, I, I think we just got to work harder. I mean, and, and work smarter, and that's what we're endeavouring to do. Everyone in this club is absolutely committed, Braith, to to getting us out of this hole and moving in the right direction. We know there are challenges, and re- particularly around recruitment in our roster. Uh, we have the core making of a very, very competitive team. We just need to add a few players in key positions. I think we all re- recognise that. We've been competitive in many games this year, and I think we've fallen short because of those key positions uh, and the deficiencies there. But um, I'm, I'm sure we can turn it around. Uh, so just, as I say, I, I, it might sound hollow, but just stick strong. Uh, this club is absolutely, everyone is working very hard to turning, to turning it around for, for the rest of this year and for 2024. Well, thanks, Lee, for joining us. As uh, so he's not gotten rid of keep the faith, he's uh, saying stay strong now. But, um, stick strong. Or stick strong, rather. Yeah. Do you, how, how's, as someone that has spent so much time and money and effort in this club, is that, how does that make you feel? Honestly, I'm pretty deflated by the whole mess. Like, um, I don't want to flex or anything like that, but I this is what my eighth season as a member. Um, obviously, that's not quite as many as some people out there. Uh, but I did spend a lot of money um, over the first seven and a bit years on traveling hmm. from Orange to oh, Sydney for petrol alone, man. It's just yeah, insane. yeah. Um, and it's it's hard to keep the faith. It's hard to stay strong when. It's just negative, negativity after negativity after negativity, whether it be in the media, whether it be from the supporters, um, whether it be a petition, whether it be the countless, countless, countless news articles about us over an off-season or a pre-season or during a season um, when we're playing 
garbage like we have been for well basically the last two and a half seasons where I think we've won something like bloody seven games in like 30 plus rounds or something which is absolutely diabolical mm. um and I just don't know how fans like like myself like how other members like myself are can find it in them to continue to support a club um, that's constantly doing this to their fans. And honestly, at the moment, I feel really, really bad for the girls' team. They're just coming into the comp. They're just getting started. They're ready to basically debut their team this Mm. coming weekend. And there's a massive shit show going around them at the club. And their membership numbers could drop or could suffer in the future just because of how diabolical this mess at the club is. For sure. Like, For sure would have affected it, 100%. Oh, absolutely. Like, I, in a heartbeat, as soon as I heard there were women's memberships, I knew I was signing up because I wanted to sign up to support the girls for their first season. Mm. Um, but so many other people, I like, I can't speak for everyone, but I imagine so many other people would have been like, no, I'm not giving this club another dollar of my money. Um, yep. And... Like, that's no fault of the girls. It's it's no fault of the guys, even, when it comes to Mm. the guys on field. Um, The one thing there has been this year is there has been, well, in pretty much every game except for two of them, we've been, at least we've been competitive. And I know it's not brilliant. I know it's not what we want. I know we want to win. We want every club wants to win premierships, Um, yada, yada, yada. But there has been a lot of effort this year compared to what there were in some games last year. Um, I'll I'll go back to the end of 2021 where we had that game against the Dogs up in Redcliffe where there was no effort. Um, Sini made mistake after mistake after mistake. We had uh, so many players dropping ball that they would never have dropped um, to lose that game 38-0. It was just an absolute disaster. There was no effort there. But in pretty much every game this year, I'd say except for the Broncos game, um, and the Cowboys game up there, hmm. there's been effort. The team have been committed. They've been determined. That culture around the team, I feel, is starting to change. But the issue is the entirety of the, like the entirety of the issues surrounding the club, won't change until there's change at the top. Hundred percent. Well said, us. Um, here's a little bit of buzz talking about player managers from the same episode of NRL 360. Explained our view was the role Scott Fulton has. There were three managers out there, and I'll name them. Sam Ayub, Mario Tartak, and Daniel O'Loughlin, who have a lot of really good football players. They're big-time managers. They are not comfortable sending players to the West Tigers in the condition they're in right now. And they want to guarantee that Scott Fulton is going to be there to rebuild that club before they have confidence that they are going to move forward. Rob, you know Mario, um, one of the names mentioned there. Do you think there's much uh, legitimacy to what uh, Buzz is saying there? Look, from you know, well, Mario's expressed that to me, but at the same time, it, it didn't stop. Mario wanting Schuster to go there for crazy money and, and it got rejected. Mm. So I, I just think it's a little bit of a, a threat from these player managers. Um, it also shows that, you know, Justin and Lee are really, you know, taking a lot of heat from the player managers and they're, and they're actually listening to the player managers as well. I don't think this Holbrook 
rumour has come from, you know, our club. I think that's come from the player managers as well. So it's, look, they've, they've got a lot of power at the moment. And, and this is, you know, like the problem that all NRL clubs face, not just us, but the fact that we're so low on the ladder, it makes it really hard for us. Like in a perfect world, if we had a draft where, you know, the lowest team gets the first pick and stuff like that, mm. you know, we wouldn't have done so much to our head. But the fact is we don't have a draft and, and you know, sometimes you gotta you got to dance with the devil. I, I don't know. I really don't know what the right thing to do in terms of, you know, going with what these player managers says. But And I don't know if you've got this clip for later, Josh, but, you know, Anasta really, like, who hates the Tigers, he was really on point tonight, you mm. know, sticking the buzz about opinions and stuff like that because clearly Schuster's not worth the money, you know, he was being touted for. And, look, I didn't watch this under-19 games that everyone's talking about, but how do we know the Fainers are that good? And if, and if they're that good, who do they play against? Other 18- and 17-year-olds or whatever? So... You know, it's just opinions and it's and it's people pumping up their own players' tyres and, and what mm. have you. Maybe, maybe they turn out to be great players. I don't know enough about them to say that. But the point is there's just a lot of pressure on there. But, you know, our, our problem right now in terms of player roster, well, obviously we need some outside backs. That goes without saying. But we need halves. And we should never have been in that position, you know, from what I, what I said to you guys earlier tonight. So... There's just been a lot of mismanagement all around and, and it needs to change, guys. And the, the thing with these player managers is they're going to start, you know, pulling the, you know, Talon De Silvers and the Josh Follettis and all these other guys out of there. And then, you know, if our club continues to be a basket case, then in a couple of years from now, you know, we might end up losing a Jareem Buller or something like that. I mean, you know, he's seen Tedesco was, you know, one of our best players and, and went to the Roosters and won back-to-back premierships immediately in 2019 or whatever it was, thereabouts. Uh, he had a couple of premierships in a row around that time. I mean, why would he want to stay with a club that's continually to go poorly when he's putting his body on the line every week the way he does and he's only had half a season? The kid's going to be a superstar. He's going to be the Dally M Rookie of the Year. And, you know, he's, he's in a club now that just has poor leadership from top to bottom. So just got to get our act together, man. I, I don't know, you know, Aaron mentioned the petition, which only has something like 1,200 signatures. Really well-meaning thing. Got no issue with the sentiment and and the, and what's in the petition itself. Fact is, it just doesn't do anything. It's not, you know, the, the club's not going to, uh, you know, spread their legs and, and, you know, just succumb to anything like that. And even if they were to get a, a review, they'd hire their own people. You know, we somehow need to get the NRL involved or we need to take legal action. But at the end of the day, you know, it's 90% owned by a private company. So it doesn't matter how many signatures you get, it's not going to work. But the good thing is at least it shows the club how disgruntled 1,200 or so people are. But, um, you know, we don't have voting rights. There's just so so much wrong with our governance and our constitution. And I I just don't know how it's ever going to change, guys. It's just really disheartening. and, And, you know, I think we're all pretty disillusioned by it. I'm getting emails and texts and what have you every freaking day. And, and you know, I'm happy to deal with those, but it's just sad seeing all the frustration. It's just, you know, it, it gets me down sometimes too. But, you know, that's just that's just the state of, of, of the nation at the moment as a West Tigers fan. And it's, I just don't think these leaders really see it as much as Lee says, you know, we're all hurting, we're embarrassed, et cetera, et cetera. There's just not, there's just a fuck up every month. And as Pasco always says, you know, we don't apologize for any of the decisions we've made. And that's the problem. They do not accept accountability. And we're just going to be stuck with this. And um, 
as I said to a friend who rang me earlier tonight, wouldn't matter if Craig Bellamy was our coach, guys. He, he cannot succeed with this management. He like Unless you've got the structures in place or unless Craig Bellamy was running it all on his own, he's just not going to be successful at our club. So I, I don't care who the coach is. It's just a recipe for disaster right now. And we, we need that whole board to be outed and the CEO, they all have to go. Uh, kind of moves into – so I thought it was interesting, the Triple M uh, footy podcast. I forget what it's called exactly, but uh, let me just look it up just to confirm. It. Oh, uh, the Monday Scrum that dropped on the podcast this afternoon, Woodsy talking about uh, – he basically drops why he left the club in the first place. So I'll let Woodsy explain that. Did you, as a player – like, could you feel, and I, and I know this is a weird question, but could you feel that above and management, it just felt disjointed? Why because did you it, left? It was like one, a lot of people think one mob left, saying one thing, another yeah, mob a lot of people think we left because of money, which it wasn't. It was yeah. all the dramas behind the scenes. Mm. There were so many things happening, so many things promised. You know, a promise that that club didn't mean much. Mm. You know, we, we were trying to help the club out. You know, we were all taking pay cuts to stay. Mm. And then they, they put deadlines on players. Look at Brooksy, you know. How old were you at this stage? I was 24, 25. So you don't want to be taking pay cuts no. when you're 24, 25. Well, you well, you were, we, were, we were going to. Do, yeah. yeah, yeah, we were going to. It was you, Mitch, and Teddy, right? Yeah. At the time. And yeah. Luke. And Luke was the other one, yeah. yeah. Were you all going to stay at one stage? 100%. Like, yeah. I was basically about to re-sign before the round one. And then got a few whispers about a few things that was going to happen. I'm not going to go into that because they'll say that for another day. Because we could talk about this for a long Another time, episode, but right? <laughs> we got a few whispers about something was going to happen behind the scenes, so we just held off for a couple of weeks, and it happened three weeks later. And then you ju- we just got no genuine support from you know behind the scenes, and then they put a deadline on you. You know all these promises that you were, you were given, not one of them happened. Is this down to the- Rob? How much do you um, do you take from this statement from Woodsy? The, he hasn't. He's kind of stayed silent. I haven't really ever heard him say anything this abrupt about it. Is he a little bit salty at the club, or do you think there's he's genuinely was fucked over by the club in him, Tesco, and Moses? Well, look, it's hard to say, but I think they they were screwed over. Um, you know, having been in regular contact with Pasco, you know, the, at that time and and the years a couple of years prior when he first came on board. You know, the, the one thing I always rave on about with Pasco is he said, oh, these boys aren't going anywhere. They love each other and they love the club. And I and I feel that was Pasco letting his guard down because, as I've mentioned a number of times over the last couple of years, his first signing of, of that year was Moses Suley instead of signing, you know, James Tedesco. And I just think he just, being being the CEO that he is and being so blasé and rather casual and nothing sort of phases him, he's not too up or not too down, he just thought, oh, that can wait. That can be on the back burner. They're not going anywhere. And and we lost, at the time, our greatest asset, you know, who we could have built our club around. I mean, you know, he, he we did build a lot around him and we actually had a, quite a good back line back in those days too. And look, Aaron, Aaron Woods, you know, didn't, didn't go on to any great heights, but at the time he was an international front rower. So I just think when they – look, I'm sure Luke Brooks would have left as well if someone had wanted to take him. So – um, that, I think they just all realised this is this is just falling apart. Let's all go our separate ways. This place is never going to improve, and 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 that's why they left. But those rumblings were, you know, like um, Brendan said earlier. I think 
from the time Robbie Farrow got, you know, white-handed, that was yeah. that was hemorrhaging of the club. I mean, you, you think about the message that sent. If you can have a kid that's, like, been in your junior system the whole time, grown up, captain the club, won a premiership, you know, represented New South Wales, Australia, 11 or rah, 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 mm. and then just get told, see you later. I mean, then so no one is safe for the club. No, no one's safe for the club. It sets, it sets a low bar in terms of loyalty, not that there's that much loyalty these days everyone calls it a business but it just it just says that you know if, if that can happen to Farrah, it can happen to anyone and it also sets the, the tone as you know if you're trying to impress a 16 or a 17 year old to you know for example let's let's take Jareen Buller okay if we say to Jareen Buller you know stay with us for you know five years six years whatever look what we can do for you and he looks at our history and says well look what you did to Marshall years ago look what you did Farrah two of your greatest legends and why can't you do it to me? Like you've you've set a precedent there that you know no one is immune to that sort of poor behaviour, and it doesn't matter whether we've won a comp for you or not. It doesn't matter, you know. Especially Farrah, like Farrah. I mean, Marshall had his moments where he, you know, he, he was Benji the Great, but he was also Benji the Dinner Suit. Where to me, Robbie Farrah just put his body on the line every game and and bled that club. And even after they shat on him, he couldn't wait to go back to the club you know, finish his career there and, and even now trying his best to help in terms of the coaching side of it. So, like, he genuinely loves the club even after he got fucked over the way he did. And I just think when you set that precedent in how you treat people, it just rubs off. And I just see no warmth or no compassion with Lee Hadjipentelis and Justin Pascoe as the main representatives. I know all the other board are accountable, but Lee said, you know, everything falls back on the board. Well, he's part of the board, but He's also the major sponsor, and that's a massive conflict of interest. So why the board going to get rid of someone that's bringing in the most amount of money? There's just so many things wrong with his club, Josh, that, you know, you don't know where to begin, but it's just all wrong. And as a lot of our, you know, fellow fans on social media say, you know, obviously jokingly, like, blow the place up and start again because that's kind of what it needs. But it just never seems like... You know, we, we don't stick to a plan. And I think that was one of the things on, on the petition. Like, whatever we, you know, try try to go one way, we just change tack. Like, we went down the path of, you know, Sheens and McDonald, and a, a year later we've now gone to Fulton. And, you know, and if that doesn't work, we'll go to someone else and we might have a different coach next year. Or there's just no solidarity within the club. There's no, there's no concrete foundation where you say, right, this is our platform. And this is what we're going to build off because there's serious talks now that Sheens won't be coached next year. So I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine, but I feel sorry for the players. I really do. And I know I know some of them aren't worth being in first grade, but there's a lot who are. And, and how they front up every week and put their bodies on the line. And yeah, it's just, it's I don't know. It's just quite sad, Josh. It's actually, it, we're not even, in, in terms of a club, we're not even a junior club. Like, we are just so shit. Like, we have a centre of excellence. The way our board performs, we would be lucky to have a canteen. You know, that's the, that's the sort of thing we deserve. We deserve a canteen, a tuck shop. You know, we don't deserve a club and a centre of excellence where we are so shit, you know, and it just filters down right through the club that I don't think anyone can succeed there. I just saw... Uh a few of the guys in their our Discord dropping clips of uh, Lee's done an interview with Michael Chamis. Uh, and Chamis has asked Lee, Tigers fans are furious with the club. They're furious with you. They're 
furious with Justin. Is there any chance you resign as chair of the West Tigers? Lee said, not at all. I serve at the pleasure of the board. As long as I retain the confidence of the board, I will remain in this role. The same could be said for Justin. He fulfills the expectation of his role as a CEO. But let's be real there, guys. He's the chairman of the board. Justin's not on the board. And most of those people on the board are just bums. They just do whatever (laughs) they want. They're just yes men and yes women. They, they, they like. I serve at the pleasure of the board. It reminds me, like I watch Blue Bloods. It reminds me of, um, you know, uh, Tom Selleck when he says, "I serve at the pleasure of the go- of the governor." Like, what a crock of shit! This guy's just a spin doctor. All all he does is give gives us false hope, and he can't deliver. He's not capable of delivering success. And the saddest thing I can say, I actually think we're going to beat St George this week. I really do. But the best thing that could happen for this club is to actually lose to St. George. Now, how disloyal is that from me as a fan that Mm. I think we're better off losing and having this wooden spoon entrenched right now instead of this false hope, oh, we might get 16th or we might jump Canterbury into 15th. And they say, oh, look at that. We improved one spot from last year. I don't want management to have any hope of survival. I want them nailed to the cross, okay? They've had their chance. They fuck up at every opportunity and then they then they change tack and then they'll fuck up again. And you know, there's only so many times you can you can, you know, buy their excuses. And I don't think anyone believes a word that Lee Hadjapentella says anymore. And it's just a pity Justin Pascoe didn't front up and and do that interview. He's been in absolute hiding the last month. Uh Brendan, anything we'll let you go after uh after this, because we'll we're an hour in. We haven't even talked about our loss in the Newcastle Knights yet. But um, anything to add before we? And thank you for putting that all together for us. Yeah, it's all good. Um, I think I'll just summarise um, just with this year. I think just to put the nail in the coffin to to really solidify why we just need to need to have change. If I can do that just really quickly, go for it. Um, <clears throat> so, so the beginning of the year we had the incident with. Um, Pasco in the tracksuit. So once again, what image and uh, what characteristics is he displaying? Just being casual, you know, not really giving a fuck. Um, you know, it, it like it sh- it shows like the, the way you put yourself out in into the public is the way you, you are perceived in your house of work, uh, so to speak. So I really feel like a lot of his mannerism, like Pasco's mannerisms and Lobie's traits really filters down into the club. Mm. And we also had the issue with him on his phone during the halftime sheds as well. Like, like yeah. what the fuck are you doing? Like, Is it like, Brisbane? And Brisbane, yeah. And it's mm. just like, like, you know. And kicking the footy on the field. Professional. Like, he doesn't kicking, care. Yeah. He just doesn't care. He yeah. can say he cares all he wants. He doesn't care. This nah. is just a job. He does not care. Yeah. Um, the, the, I was going to say... Thing- um, on top of that, um, we also had the jersey issue, and you know, and so yeah, forth. And we know how the rest of the, yeah, we also had all of that, all of those issues going down um, this year as well. So it's just, it's just one thing. It's it's one thing after another, especially this year. There's a lot. There's a lot more that's happened in the last couple of years from him compared to where he started, and I feel like it's just, it's just a never ending, it's a never ending avalanche, and I think it's just all snowballs. And at the end of the day, and you know, there's there's no stopping it. It's like a it's like an endless pit. Like when is it going to stop? I, like Rob has said today, like 
I, I don't think we've reached the peak. I don't think there is no peak. I think we've, I think it just keeps going and going and going till something stops it. And I till forgot, there's change. I Jersey thing, Brendan. Oh, there's, I've yeah. totally forgot about that. And you just reminded me now when you mentioned the jersey fiasco. What about the mural fi- fiasco? Well, I didn't even get, you know, when oh, yeah. properly. And, ben, yeah, and Benji's, stuff like yeah. that. And if you actually yeah. read that, like it's not even put in some chronological order. It's just a whole mishmash mm. of words put together. Like there's just that's just typical of our club. And it's just just not acceptable. And I know they didn't write it themselves, but no one mm. proved anything. No one there's just no systems in place, no matter what they're doing at the club, that you know seems to work. And and players, players and coaches that go to other clubs seem to succeed. And we hardly get any players that come here and play better than what they did at their previous club. So there's got to be something wrong with our setup internally. Brandon, the thing that sh- Brandon, the thing that shits me as well is just how. Like there'll be so many people who are fans of other clubs who, and I think we've talked about this before, who know who Justin Pascoe is as the CEO of the Tigers. Like uh, I can't remember if I mentioned this on the show because I was talking about it with a, a mate the other day. When you open your membership pack, you, it came in a box this year. You open it up and on the inside the lid, it's a message with a signature from Justin Pascoe. Why the fuck would anyone care about getting a message from the CEO. You have Benji Marshall back at the club. Why is that? They're obviously photocopied signatures. Why couldn't you get a ghostwriter message from Benji Marshall and a signature from Benji? But we've got Justin Pascoe, like and you mentioned Tiger Town and sitting there in the T-shirt and he makes it all about him. He's an, I, I genuinely think he... Um, the other thing too, remember we heard a rumor, Rob, that he was possibly going to get the sack and end up being um, the mole reported the same thing. He yeah. went on the West Tigers Instagram, used a whole post to make it about, ah, it's like I'm not being fired. The, the rumors are like they're untrue, blah, blah, blah. Like it's, and like, Bloody. how did he think, how did he, and you look at the comments and it's like, oh, I wish it like, how did he think that was going to go? He's an egotistical maniac. Like, yeah, like even honestly, even Lee is too, Josh. Even Lee is like, he, you know, look, it's not, it's not like I'm, I'm watching it. Look, 360's done a bit of a loop on my TV now, and like as I said on Twitter, like the outfit, outfit that Lee's wearing is like what Joe Pesky wore, uh, wore in one of those freaking movies. I've just gone, but my cousin Vinny, home, home alone. My cousin, oh. my cousin yeah. Vinny, when he falls in the mud, and he has to go buy a suit from that, from that old shop, and then, and what does he need to wear a hat for internally? Like it's just like like Brandon said. Know, it's it's just his... Look, it's just yeah. look at me. Look at me. Look what I'm wearing. It's not you know. If he wore something normal, we wouldn't be commenting about his clothing. But that suit looks like it's out of the 1950s, and you know he's he's going to the ball, and and you know the hat looks like from the old homicide detective show. Like it's just it's ridiculous. He he just looks ridiculous. Pasco looks ridiculous, and these guys are the two figureheads of our club. And, you know, and the, the thing is, you know, you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but when you open the book, it's pretty empty anyway. Like, they don't get anything right. So the, the, the cover is a representation of what they're like. They're just fucking hopeless at their job, guys, and it's and, and we just have to wear it, and we're meant to stick strong. And, 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 you know, we're now, I'm thinking the right, the best thing for us as a club is to get fucking smashed by St. George this week. And, and I feel like, an, I won't say the, you know, what word, but that's how I feel right now thinking that, you know, mm. deep down I'm thinking I really need my team to lose this week. That is the lowest 
thing any supporter could say, but I actually think it's the best thing for the club. So where does that put me? You know what I mean? So I, I don't know, guys. I'm just over it. I'm absolutely over it. Yeah, well, um, we'll try to move on. We spent a whole uh, whole hour on this, but I think it was definitely needed to get off our chest. And we appreciate you, Brendan, for coming on the show again. Um, like I said, anyone's got something they want to submit to the show, an idea or anything, we're we're an open book here. We like to be the podcast. It's the voice of the uh, the West Tigers fan base. So uh, podcast at westlife.com, just like Brendan uh, yeah, did today. So, Brendan, thanks, Heath, man. Um, Try to enjoy the game Thursday night. I, I want the Tigers to win, despite what Rob just said. But um, yeah, but uh, stick strong, keep the faith. <laughs> That's it. The the great words from the great man. <laughs> Not. <laughs> Thanks, Brent. All right. Thanks, see ya. Brent. See you, mate. Uh, so we haven't even talked about uh, Aiden Caesar yet. Like this, there's, there's so much. Man, it's, it's a long show. Um. So the Aiden Caesar the signing boy. So I've put a poll out there. I was going to do the results of the poll tonight, but there's just so much shit that's happened. Um, we can add it to Wednesday's show, and we might do the Patreon questions on um, Wednesday's show as well, even though a lot of them are going to be Pasco and Lee-based. So, um, But yeah, if you head to the link in this episode, the Linktree link on our, or on our Twitter, on our Instagram, there is a link to the um, Aiden Caesar poll, and you can vote whether you think it's a good thing. I thought a little bit of an idea I had. I thought because I saw a lot of different some people, and I'll ask the boys in a second what they think of this signing, which apparently is going to happen for a, a medical. Just thought it'd be interesting to see how many people like this and how many people dislike it. And just like our ten to one player poll, you can put in a little rant, and I'll read the best ones. On the show on Wednesday, but knowing my luck, it'll probably come out that Caesar's backed out or something and it's not going to happen, but fingers crossed. Um, for the sake of the integrity of the show, I hope he does actually sign. But boys, quickly, what are your thoughts? As I'll go to you first, what are your thoughts on this Caesar signing? Honestly, who else is there? Um, we're struggling for options at the moment. We we don't have any signed halves for next year. Um Obviously, Brooks is gone. Adam, we've got Adam, but he's going to be missing for half the season. So, who else is there? There's not really anyone else available. Um, Caesar has experience in the NRL. Apparently, he's done fairly well for himself over there in the UK. Um, if he's going to improve our team, then I say, why not? Because honestly, we can't be too picky at this point. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, people bagged out his age. He's thirty. He's born in ninety-one, so that would make him what? 33 return, next year. Return 33 mid-season next, mid next year. Look, Daly Cherry Evans is, I've said this before, 33 for a back. Like, if the player's fairly healthy, yeah, I think it's fine. Daly, uh, ben Hunt's still going around. He's 30, He's my age. He's 35. I think Daly Cherry Evans is 36. And Adam they're Reynolds going around. Well would be in his 30s. Adam, Adam Reynolds, I think, is 35 or 36 as well. So 33, people say, oh, I saw... Um, I think it might have been one of your relatives, might have been Andrew Bashara commented, does he come with a walking stick um, when we posted this the other day? I mean, come on, 32, he's not 37, 38. Like he's, he's got two, we have two years left in him. I think he can, he can do a job until hopefully we find uh, a young, young talent coming through. But Rob, I think you're, you're going to zig to mine and Aaron's zag here. 
Oh, look, to, to be fair, and someone actually pointed it out to me on Twitter last week, you know, Rob Bashar is not happy with any halves and he's not happy with any coaches. He, and he's probably right. I don't – look, the halves situation is really thin, which is why I think we were so stupid to let go of Hastings and uh, Madden last year. Guys, he's been out of the NRL for five years and he's and he is 30-something. It's not like Hastings, who's a bit younger and was out of the NRL for ages. Like, this is a really huge risk. In terms of what he does for organising, yeah, that, that side of it's fine. He's not a good defender. Um, you know, the, the thing I remember the most about him actually is, is kicking a field goal against Cronulla uh, to keep us alive in 2019. And we went on to beat St. George at the SCG later that afternoon to, to set up a final round with Cronulla. Um, that, I think that was the last time he'd played. So it's a big risk five years out of the NRL. So I'm, I'm not a fan of it. I like what Anasta had to say about it tonight, though, when he compared... Uh, this guy to Cogger, he kind of said, at least with Caesar, you're signing for one year, where with Cogger, you're probably committing yourself for three years and then you've spent a bit of salary on on someone when you're really looking for that gun halfback. So I, I accept that logic as well. Um, guys, we're just desperate, and it's but we shouldn't be in this desperate position. We've, we've screwed ourselves with who we let go in the off-season. And further to that, even though we all knew Brooks kind of needed to move on, we should have offered Brooks more money as our stopgap to be there for another year or two. So mm. everything that we've done has just been been up to shit. And and how we handle Brooks is not because of uh, Marshall and Sheens. That's because of Fulton. Okay, because I know Marshall wanted him there next year. And if you want someone there next year, you don't offer him half the money that you offered Mitchell Moses, you know, for half the length. So uh, although Lee did say they revised the offer and he still knocked it back, but I think the damage was done by then. And again, it's how we handle our negotiations. Apparently, we came in with our offer late, then he came back with our thing late. So again, we we can't we can't nut a deal whether it's just a basic contract or a, you know the heads of agreement meeting a uh, deal with uh, Josh Addo Carr. There's there's just always a fuck up in this club, guys. It's you 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 forget about them, and then you remember them suddenly. You know they just appear out of nowhere. So. Yeah, I, I, the halfback thing is a massive issue. I I don't know. I really don't know what we're going to do. But I'm not a I'm not a fan of I'm not a fan of Caesar. But I can understand why people would be. I I don't think it's right or wrong. It's just not for me. Uh, I saw Jay Benz. He's going to be on the show Wednesday night to preview um, the Tigers Dragons game. He had he helped preview the Tigers Dragons game, which West Tigers did actually win earlier in the year. So he did correct me. He said DC is 34, Hunt 33. So they're, 80, they're 88, 89, sorry, 89, 90 babies. They're still older than uh, Aiden Caesar. So Aiden Caesar was born in uh, 91, I believe. But, but they've, they've been in the NRL constantly, guys. Sure, this, this sure. Guy, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying you know, he's a, you, as good as them. I'm just, yeah, yeah. You're, I'm like a, I mean, he's playing in England, but he's he's playing in England as a job now, and he's he's effectively mentally retired from the NRL. I just don't think you can pick yourself back up and suddenly have your NRL hat on. I just I just think when you kind of give it up, you've you've given it up, you know. Unless you've gone to England at a young age, or you know, like we had Liam Fulton go there for a year and come back to us or something like that. I just I just don't see old guys. You know, someone can name a, someone in their 30s that's come back and succeeded from Super League. Please let us know because I actually need some encouragement. I, I don't think I can think of anyone myself that's come back and, and been a success in the NRL. Fair enough. 
Well, time will tell. We'll see. Fuck yeah. it. We'll see it. We'll see it next year. A uh, bit of good news after all the shit on the show tonight. Um, Sean Bloor has told, I can't remember, I think this wasn't this was the Sydney Morning Herald. It was, it was in the back end of a story. I'm kind of annoyed that it wasn't its own story. Sean Bloor has said um, he went spoke to Sheens and Benji when he saw the rumor of him uh, not being wanted. And he said, they assured me my place was at the Tigers. That's all I needed to hear. So the reports are Sean Bloor still got a year in his contract. Give the guy a fucking extension. Lee and Justin, before you quit as well, but just. For the love of God, sign this kid. He's been. We'll get to our game review in a second, but fuck me, he's having. He's in great form, and I'm loving that part of it. So, um, yeah, please sign my boy up. Give him the bag. Uh, righto. <laughs> An hour and ten minutes in. Um, we'll talk about. Actually, I probably should do the uh, West Ashfield ad. Aaron, don't normally wait an hour and ten minutes to uh, to do the ad, but we'll um, look. We've still got 120. Th- people watching us live which is pretty sensational we love all our loyal listeners and man the fact that you listen to us talk about the club that's just such a fucking shit show but um one place that is not a shit show is west ashfield so uh you can head there thursday night to watch us uh the west tigers us not us not us we're not playing ourselves uh, the West Tigers will be playing against the Dragons. Uh, check out Garden Bistro and walk on before the game and watch it on the big screen. And I'm sure despite the form of the team, there'll be plenty of other West Tigers fans as well. Might, the three of us might try and um, pop over there as well, just quietly. We'll talk about that off air. But maybe, um, yeah, might go head to West Ashford Thursday night to watch the game together. I haven't seen you boys physically for a while. It's um need a bit of a catch up, but uh, yeah, show your support. The last time we played the Dragons, Josh, is that the last time we saw each other? That long? Last the last time I no, no, Rob, you came to uh, Campbelltown with Josh for the Raiders game. Oh, okay, yeah, I yeah. that's right. I beg yeah, your yeah. pardon. I was gonna say, um, I, saw, I saw Josh. I saw Josh at the Gold Coast game. Okay. Thanks. As, as show your support to the major sponsors <laughs> of the West Tigers, Holman Barnes Group. For more information, visit holmanbarnesgroup.com.au. Holman Barnes Group, bringing people together. Righto. Uh, on to the game that did happen on uh, Friday night. So 34-18, loss to the Newcastle Knights. Um, now, this obviously started with a try that... Um, that was disallowed and called a knock-on despite the referee uh, awarding it, saying it was fine. I just realized I haven't uh, uploaded the video yet. I'll do that while you boys are discussing it, though. But um, I think Aaron wants to rip in about that, Josh, so I'll give Aaron the floor on yeah. that. Yeah, go, go, As. So the first issue I had with that, so I had, just sat down to watch the game. I had a bowl of ice cream and I hear my dad, <laughs> I hear my dad and my brother in the lounge room cheer when we cross the line. Um, but I'm sitting there cause I saw what happened and like the potential of there being a possible knock on there. Um, so I didn't, I didn't cheer. I didn't celebrate it. Cause I'm like, they're going to, they're going to look at this. They're going to um, go through this with a fine tooth comb and find a way to take it off us. And I was absolutely correct. But the big issue for me is I think I said this a couple, a few weeks ago as well, but the idea of the bunker is to support or reject a decision that's made by the on-field official, but they can only reject 
the decision by the on-field official if there is 100% conclusive evidence to do so. You, yep. you can't say with 100% certainty that that ball was knocked on. The biggest argument I saw from people on Twitter was that Kalen Ponga was standing still. So with Kalen Ponga standing still, you can use that as sort of a barometer to see where the ball drops. And the ball was contacted in front of Ponga. So for the, on- the only way for it to be a knock-on is for the ball to have landed behind Ponga because he still hadn't moved. And it didn't. It landed, I'd say, what? It would have gone basically almost directly to the left of him. But you can't say conclusively there was a knock-on there because there was no, like, and the camera, like, I was watching Fox's footage um, and they were showing us the bunker angles and I I assumed that bunker angles we were being we were being shown on TV were the same ones the bunker official was using, um, which was Jared Sutton, by the way, who's had a habit, who's got a bit of a habit of screwing us over just quietly. Yeah. Um, but if if it's the same angle, you could not tell from a bar of soap whether that ball was forward or backward. You could not tell. And because the on-field decision was try, you shouldn't be able to take that try off them by basically making an assumption because that's what happened. They made a fucking assumption. They assumed the ball would have gone forward or would have floated forward or whatever based on two fucking dodgy camera angles that they showed us. And I just think that's a load of bullshit. The team, you could clearly tell it it disheartened the team. I I know that it happens a lot and it's a common thing for us. We get screwed over by a bunker nice and early in a game and the heads drop and all of a sudden we're out of the game. To the boys' credit, they came back into this one a little bit. but the damage had been done in those first four, um, four tries, the or three or four tries the night scored before we got we got on the board properly, and I was I was furious. Like I I posted about it on Twitter. Um, I know, I think you you said you were about to play the audio, Josh, um, of what Annesley said today, and the, what he said today has made me even angrier. Yeah, I'm still uploading it. It's yeah. Rob, continue on about this game. I'm just it's um taking a little while to upload. Okay, but look, I want to I want to get to the pressing issue, uh, Aaron. I want to cheer you up a little bit. Can you just tell me what flavor ice cream you were eating when that happened? <laughs> Cookies and cream. Cookies and cream. Uh, okay, good choice. Look, good choice. I, 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 you're 100 right, mate. I, I think it went backwards, but let's just say for the sake of the argument that it went 90 degrees, which therefore would be a knock on because the ball has to go backwards. If it actually goes level. It's a knock-on, okay, just so everyone knows that. But whatever the deci- if that decision had been no try and then they couldn't prove anything, then it stays no try. But the fact that it was awarded a try, you're 100% right. It's an absolute another dodgy call that we've got. Uh, we also got two dodgy calls, you know, pretty much straight after that. We had Tyson Gamble off offside from a grubber kick that went in the in goal that uh, Buller got tackled in goal. We should have got a penalty for that. And then shortly after that, uh, you know, Coruscant was taken out from the lead runner, but, you know, he's deemed to have made it a, a bad descent, a defensive decision. These things all only seem to happen to us guys. I mean, I know Gold Coast have had a bit of a hard luck story the last couple of weeks uh, from offsides. 
uh, from goal line defence. But yeah, with us, we just get these all the time. And, you know, someone had a go at me saying, oh, you're defending the team. You know, they, they put on three or four quick tries. We, we should have more resilience than to let Newcastle, you know, score back to back to back. And I, and I get all that. But you can't tell me it doesn't make a difference. I mean, we're only down 18-12 at half time. It could have made a difference. We might have scored from the kickoff again. You know, it could have been 12 nil. We, we don't know. So I, I think we're just over it. But the problem with us now is it just feels like we need, you know, we need everything to go our way, you know, just to be competitive. And it's happening in the in the opposite. Like, hmm. Everything goes against us, and it's so. I mean, I, I lost my absolute shit the other night when that happened. Just not because it was us, but because how can you overturn something without proving it? I don't know if it has to be a hundred percent proven, uh, Aaron, but it has to be conclusive evidence to overturn it. And there was no conclusive evidence. There was no camera angle. So if there's no camera angle, tough shit. It's a try. End of story. Next to the post, five meters left of the post. Six nil, like Wakeham's kick. What sixteen in a row, eighteen in a row? I don't know 20. how many he's kicked. Whatever, twenty, even better. So, like you know, that's an automatic six points. So, and, and you know, we get the ball back, and the guys have got a little bit of a spring in their step. But it, it still doesn't excuse some of the pathetic edge defence that we've got. Sure. But, but you know, we we that 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 we got robbed of six points. That that's Slide, the bottom sliding, line. Sliding, I say it all the time. It's a sliding doors moment. That, as you say. Like six points in the lead to go, and obviously we're a team that can't. We need every single, as you said, we need every single point we need, like and things we need things to go our way. But just to go from six in front to six behind, I don't care what. It, and it's a six. Well, we lost by sixteen. I don't care what you say. The whole momentum of the game changes if that. Will we still? Will we definitely win if that? If we get that try, maybe not. But I don't think we lose by sixteen. We're definitely. It's it's a whole different game if if that tries. Uh, yeah, you allowed. get a you get a pep in your step. You're feeling good about things. Like wow, this yeah. is going to be our night. Blah blah blah. Yet the exact opposite happens. Oh, you know, geez, here we go again. We've had a bad you know bad couple of weeks, and look look at this. We've had this try taken off us, and then you know we can see three quick tries you know really easily, and you know that could have been all the difference. Like the game was what twenty eight eighteen or thereabouts for so long. Mm. Like if it's 28-24, there's scoreboard pressure there. So we yeah. might have even had the lead at halftime. It's just it just seems to happen to us. And I, I just like I say, I, I, I get the shits and I'm over it like five minutes later. But I just feel sorry for the fans that are just, you know, reading everything, everything bad in the media, everything that's going on in the club. This is their one time to escape, feel good, and they get, you know, six points taken off them, you know, on a an absolute rubbish decision. And I just don't you know, it's hard enough, as we keep saying, to accept poor decisions on the run. You know, if they call a forward pass backwards or vice versa, we can't avoid that. Everyone's human. They make mistakes. But when they get reviews wrong, like seriously, man, it's it's death penalty stuff for me. I, I just can't accept it. You've got to, you've got cameras there. You've got guidelines. You've got rules. Follow them. If they're followed, we're up 6-0 after two minutes. Righto. Here's... Uh... Gray Mannersley explaining it all. Field in the bunker, yeah. said it went forward. It's one of those 50 shit ones you were talking about earlier in the year yeah. where there's no concrete evidence. It's a bit hard to overturn. Did you have a view on that one? Yeah, look, uh, we did have a look at that this morning, and it's interesting if you, <coughs> excuse me, if you listen to the uh, uh, to the host broadcaster of that game. Uh, there was arguments in the commentary box about whether it was or wasn't a knock-on. Uh, they couldn't agree. Uh, between them, uh, <coughs> not, no, not that, that's not that's a criticism irrelevant. of them. I mean that they're entitled, totally. paid to have opinions. Uh, but 
this is one of those ones where um, the cameras that were mostly dealing with this are on the halfway line or behind the behind the play, behind the end of the field, and uh, it, it's a judgment call by the by the bunker. Um, if you ask me personally uh, on that particular decision, I, I think it was probably a knockback. But but I, I'm not I'm not saying that as a definitive answer to that decision because I can't. Uh, based on the vision and the position of cameras, uh, it's a matter of it's a matter of conjecture and it's a matter of opinion. And in this case. That that is textbook, fucking like benefit of the doubt. Like why why the fuck is that not stand? Doesn't that that stand with the ref? He, he basically well, goes and it, he goes out and says that the the camera angles and it wasn't like good enough angles and this is conjecture. Then why not leave it with the ref the referee's decision on the fucking ground? For him to overturn it means that he thinks there was sufficient evidence. The bunker 100% has to think, as you said, Rob, that he's knocked it back. It's, it's, just, it's just wrong. Just Why can't he wrong. answer that question like the boss of referees should? I don't give a fuck if he thinks it went backwards or forwards. It has nothing to do with it. His answer should be the cameras could not determine if the ball went forward or backwards. The bunker made a mistake. They should have gone with the on-field decision. That's what his answer has to be. Doesn't matter if he thinks it went backwards. He needs to say the bunker got it wrong. They There was no conclusive evidence to overturn it. We fucked up. He's not going to say that word for word, but they fucked up. And and he and he's fucked up in his you know answer of that question. Another cop out. I wonder if Tim Sheens said we didn't even um do you want to just uh, I do it. He said he didn't want to hear sorry from Annesley. That's what he said. Yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to find. I think I do have the clip uh, from Sheen. Just, no, just while you're finding that. Yeah. Well, um, the worst for me, the worst part was the fact that he used the, the phrase, it's a matter of opinion. If it's a matter of opinion and it can be interpreted either way, then why the fuck did it not stay with the original call? He, the, the bunker combed it. I tried to count how many times that was replayed. I think it was replayed eight, nine, maybe ten times, mm. um, including the ones that Channel 9 slash Fox were showing um, during the broadcast um, before we got back to the referee on field to send it up, to do the official send upstairs um, signal. And then we got another, what, three, four replays there. So mm. we got approximately ten replays where they picked through it with a fine-tooth comb and just came up with this absolute bullshit way of taking the try away from us. This was the first set of the game. It changes the momentum of the entire game. We had a good run by, I forget who it was, on the fourth tackle. Um, We then had another solid run on the fifth tackle before putting a kick up on the last. And Jareem, the absolute freak of nature that he is, gets down there, chases the ball, bats it back for Tommy Talau. That sets up the whole game for our team. But no, they found this absolute bogus bullshit way to take a try off us because it's all quote-unquote opinion. But the, the, I... the, 
but we get look, I'm, we're repeating ourselves, but it can't be about opinion. If mm. if it's a 50-50, you go with the on-field decision. If that was ruled no try, guys, on the field, I can live with it. Even yeah, though I think it went backwards, I could live with it. But it was ruled a try. Okay. And if you're if you're having your first day as the video review guy in the box and you have to look up what do I do if I'm not sure or I can't I don't have evidence to overturn it, I go with the on-field decision. That's cool. It's it's an absolute it's not a 50-50, guys. It's a hundred percent the wrong decision by the way the laws are written of the game. Okay, yeah. that's a complete fuck up. It's not a 50-50. I don't give a fuck if it went one degree forward or one degree backwards. By the rules, the way they're written, it's a try. Okay, six nil Tigers, Newcastle to kick off. Here's Shane's talk about yeah. it. Looks like a try to me, but anyway. And then we were 18 nil in the next 10 or 15 minutes. So we we fought back, but we chased our tail the whole game. But um, I'll be interested to see if that it looked like a try to me. And uh, if I get another apology from the referees, I won't be happy. Has that happened all too often? Yeah, it is. So, anyway, we'll wait and see. Turns out he didn't apologise. He just said, I thought it was a try, uh, but uh, the bunker... Too bad, so sad. Yeah, too bad the bunker thought it was all right. A few statistics from this game. Uh, Anything that stands out for you as completion rates, 24 or 38, just not good enough. Um. Yeah, possession, 55% to the Knights. Again, I mean, the momentum of that call, you never know how that possession swings because you get you score a try, you get the ball back, like it just changes everything. But, um, yeah, anything that stands out there. I mean, you have to say the Knights, despite that call, the Knights did go on to dominate that game pretty much. They did, and it was only because of one player, basically, that kept us close. And Sheen's mentioned it in the press conference too, which I thought, to be honest, was probably not the best thing to say because you're, you're kind of throwing the rest of your team under the bus while putting one player up on a pedestal. But um, our defence overall was pretty poor. Like, look at the line break count, 10 for the Knights, 3 for us. Um, they they were all over us. Maybe they wouldn't have been if um, that try went through because, like I said, changes the whole context of the game. Um, there's another 77 and a half or 78 minutes or whatever after that try. Um, that where everything could be different. The entire game, the entire um, context of the game could be different, but it was it was just the kind of, kind of the catalyst for the team to drop their heads. And I, I was hopeful this year that that wouldn't happen as much, especially with some of the new signings we've made. Like obviously, um, our captain Abby was back for this game. Uh, John Bateman was the replacement captain um, while Abby was out, and. I would have thought with having some of those guys as leaders around the club and Clemmer as well, um, they wouldn't drop their heads uh, after a bad call goes against them like they have so many times this year and last year. I just thought things would would be a bit different this year. Um, But it's happened so many times. I honestly can't blame the players too much. Like if um, I think that's the fifth time this year uh, at rough count that Annesley's had a Tigers play in his weekly briefing where he's basically said whoever was in charge got it wrong um, or didn't say specifically they got it wrong, but it was implied that they got it wrong. Um, 
it it's happening too often. Something something's got to change because it's happening too often. Um, yeah, our defense was just poor. Um, we we picked things up a little bit uh, late in the first half, early in the second half. Um, but then the Sinbin period where the Knights were down a man, we were we were awful. We were mm. god effing awful in that Sinbin period. Why we were just doing hit ups, I don't know. The whole yeah, the whole game, it was an absolute shit show from start to finish. Yeah, Sheen's actually mentions that um, in his press conference after the game as well. So um, he basically said there's no game plan, Rob, but that's isn't that kind of on him? Or, the, or is he kind of – are the players not listening to Sheen's? I'd like to know what the game plan was. I, I thought Will Smith was pretty non-existent. I, I didn't see too much wrong from Wakeham. I, I need someone to point that out to me. Maybe I'm not as, you know, as, as smart as them. Um, I just thought the edge defence was absolutely piss poor. Uh, you know, poor Kapoa. I mean, he's a second rower. He shouldn't even be on the wing. But as we said last week, plays, you know, left side, right side, second rower, centre, winger. Talau, uh, sorry, Tupu, I beg your pardon, was uh, just as bad on the other wing. Uh, his form's absolutely dropped off the last month or so. Um, you know, we, we keep talking about, you know, we're going to get Aiden Caesar or, you know, Cogger or, you know, be nice to have Mitch Moses. I mean, these blokes aren't going to fix our edge defence. We need some outside backs. And as I said last week, I think Tom Talau is the only bloke that was in our starting back line at the start of the year. So that back line has totally changed. It's effectively a New South Wales back, uh, you know, back line at the start of the year. And, and you know, it doesn't matter how good your forwards are. Um, if you've got backs that can't tackle, Kalen Ponga absolutely tore us apart. I didn't think Jackson Hastings did much. You mm, know, too he was much. quiet. He, he was quiet, but he steered the mm. ship around. You, you look at their tries. He still dug into the line a couple of times, you know, before passing to Ponga, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But some of their, like, there was one try to their prop forward. I think it was Saifidi. Might have been their fourth try um, near the post. That was really disappointing just to have a hit up off the ruck. But as I said earlier, and as Aaron said, you know, the, the, the Coruscant, you know, getting taken out and, and you know, offsides from grubber kicks. And, you know, we can go back to other games. There's probably a, a dozen things. You know, Joe Offengawi scoring a try against the Cowboys and everyone knew it was a try except the video ref. I mean, we just, even though we won that night, we just get all these decisions all the time. It's just, you, you just start wondering if gambling's t- having a big influence on, on these decisions, you know, because, you know, we saw last week with Katoa's last try when Buller got to the ball. I mean, that literally... That try there is the difference between Cronulla covering the line and and the Tigers, you know, holding the line. So you just start wondering how much money is, you know, and gambling is affecting some of these decisions because it's just there's just too many of them, as Tim Sheen said, that you know make you wonder what the fuck's going on. Yeah, but the the bookies the bookies win either. But when it comes to lines, that's why you don't get two to one. Either way, they 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 might be holding a little bit more. Money, but as I've said in the past, different bookies are holding a different amount of monies for different teams. So I, I don't know. I, yeah, but the line's not going to yeah. change, Josh. I mean, I, I mean, with some it will. Don't get me wrong, but if you know the line twenty two and a half, someone's taken one and someone's taken the other. It's not always going to be a fifty fifty split. There's obviously better results. You know. Yeah, you but know, for who? But for t- for tab for sports bet, like who? Who, who knows, who, mate? Who, who specifically? Knows? They're all holding different amounts of money. Could be for private individuals, mate. Who knows? Hmm. Seriously, you don't know. Um, top tacklers, funny enough, Brennan Wakeham was tied third with 31, uh, four missed. Johnny Bateman, 46 with three. 
Um, 33 for Appy. Appy missed eight tackles, so one of you was a bit apprehensive with his jaw or something, but um, that's very high for Appy. Other other leaders in stats, tackle breaks, Jareem Buller had eight, which is, I think the next highest was one. Uh, I don't think anyone else had two, but uh, run meters, uh, Clem, 162. Post-contact meters, Johnny Bateman, 53. And just one line break each from Kapoa, Jareem Buller, and Isaiah Papali. Honorable mention for the tackle count there as well, Josh. Um, your guy, Sean Bloor, 29 tackles, none missed. Hmm. Um, once he's he came on, he really, yeah, once he came on, he really shored up the defense in his part of the field. So he was, he was brilliant. He's like an Alex 12, but with an offload and skill. Uh, right over the top. <laughs> like <that. laughs> um, the table, so not, not, not as much point looking at it, yeah, but the other dragons, uh, I don't think the buyer was taken into consideration. So before and Not against yet. wise, uh, we're 68 behind now. So uh, a 34-point win would be good Thursday night. Uh, and Rob's dog agrees with me there, I think. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, on to our, our friends at Mobile Corp. So... Uh, mobile Corp, they support local businesses by managing their IT, their networks, and their mobile devices. If you're a local business owner looking for a partner who will take away the hassle of dealing with IT issues, make sure you have cybersecurity in place. Handle all your mobile device needs, then Mobile Corp can help. Mobile Corp is a family-run business and a long-time supporter of the West Tigers. Reach out to Stephen and the team at Mobile Corp. Check out mobilecorp.com.au. That's mobilecorp.com.au. Uh, lower grades, the Maggies, they got smacked in New South Wales Cup 46 to 10 um, ahead of the main game on Friday up in Newcastle. Uh, Table-wise, they're down in 10th, so kind of falling out of contention there for a final spot as well. In Jersey Flag, they got done at Lincoln Oval on Sunday, 18 points to 8 uh, to the Raiders. So uh, 0, for, 0 of 3. So hopefully the girls can start putting some wins on the board for us next week. So uh, Jersey Flag, they're in third last as well, in 10th. So they're starting to fall away. It's just not a good not a good year for the um, for the whole club, apart from uh, actually uh, the Magpies obviously won in the SG ball. Hiram Mats, I keep forgetting, but at least the... Maybe next year the kids coming through will start to bring some success. So uh, player ratings for this week. So uh, Jareem Buller, 9.5, which is insane in uh, a game, in a team that lost by 16. This kid is just so good. And just fuck me dead if he's not – I know they've only just signed him to a couple of years, but he's got they've got to pay him more and just lock him in for five. Like it's just – it's a hell of a talent, guys. Yeah, I think there's two things this club has to do, Josh, and in this order. The first thing is everyone from coaches and, you know, management, they have to be on board with each other. They have to be on the same page. They have to be unified. They have to sort this power play that's going on at the club out and just do what's at the best interest for the club. And I go further than what you said, mate. I said it on Twitter. We need to do a daily Cherry Evans-type contract for Dream Buller. 
we need to give him like a nine or a 10 year deal, make it just show, show the rest of the NRL, show your supporters that we're going to build this club around this unbelievably good talent and just lock him up for as long as we can. So that's what they should be doing. And, you know, whether they do it or not, I don't know, but I'll tell you what, if we don't act quickly, you know, another mob's going to get in there because he's just too talented, not for the whole league to see what he's doing. 100%. Uh, poor old Kepa Ola, one point. So our outside backs as not having a great run. Uh, as Rob said earlier, poor Kepa Ola, he's not a winger. He's not yeah, anything. Beside, beside the fullback, those, um, those other outside back scores are pretty dismal. Uh, I feel bad for AJ. He... If anything, he's a he's a bench second rower. Um, can add a little bit of punch late, late mid to late in the game um, if he gets a stint there. But yeah, he's definitely not a winger. He was he was well and truly out of his depth on the wing on Friday night, and it showed. I got criticised for saying Junior Tupo maybe should have a stint in New South Wales Cup, but that feel like he's, he's he has to be playing hurt or something. Um, yeah, something's wrong there. Well, yeah, he's just not himself. Confidence, yeah, or something. Um, yeah, I hope Junior. And that's not to say I don't think Junior's a talent. I think he is. It's just he's. Um, I don't know. Something's going to happen for him to snap back and show his talent. But maybe it is. Uh, Will Smith three point three. Brandon Wakem four point four. So Rob, you reckon four point four would be a bit low for Wakem there? Yeah, I think. You know, as a fan base, the first the first person we point the finger at is a halfback. Uh, as I said, you know, Wakem's got the try assist to, you know, Buller's first try, which, by the way, the, the way Buller just beat three or four players there to get to that right corner post was incredible. Um, and also, you know, Wakem has, the, you know, admittedly it was a fluky kick, but he's got the try assist for the second try. And then you imagine being Brandon Wakem and having Tom Talau, Kapoa, an out-of-form Tupu, you know, like some of these guys. I mean, he doesn't have, you know, Will Smith. I mean, he doesn't have much outside him. Like, so I, I just think, you know, cut him a little bit of slack. You know, mm. given who he, given who he's got in the back line, I, I think he hasn't been, you know, bad. And I, I actually I actually think he's a decent option for a number seven if we can get a number six next year. I really, I know he's as slow as a wet week. He's got no pace, but... Everything else, he's, he seems to be really trying hard. I think his kicking game has been okay. His defence has been great, as we, we saw there. Uh, I, I don't know what else everyone wants from him. I mean, yeah, he's not Mitch Moses, but there's not much out there. And given he didn't have a full pre-season, given he's been chucked in after, you know, in round three as a reserve, I, I think mm. he's done. I think he's done pretty well, all things considered. Uh, on to the forwards, Stefano, 6.5. Api Corosau, 7.6. David Clemmer, 6.6. Um, a bit of a meh kind of score from our front rows, as that's kind of about where they're at. Yeah, they... I thought I mean, Steph, Actually, I thought Steph was pretty good. I think 6.5 might be a little bit rough on Steph. I thought he had a few yeah. good runs. Our middle defense was pretty solid. They scored one, I think only one of their tries up the middle, and that was the one where if we scored the same try in the exact same way, it gets taken off us for obstruction. Correct. Um, that was the only try they scored through the middle. Um, so as usual, our forwards were doing the job defensively. 
I don't think they got completely run over or run through um, by the Knights forwards or even by the Knights backs. I think a lot of the work the Knights were doing came off the back of Kalen Ponga going around um, our edges, and that was what killed us. So I think I'd honestly say potentially unders for both of the both of the front rowers. Appy, even though he missed a lot of tackles, he's, tackles, he's all hard, all effort. Um, I commend him for coming back. We all thought that it was probably a bit too early considering the injury. Um, but he he looked to be his normal, not quite his normal self, but pretty close to it. And I'll just backtrack to Brandon Wakeham for a, a moment here. Um, one thing we've been crying out for at our club is a player who can kick goals. And his streak now mm. of 20 consecutive goals, I don't know if we've ever had a streak that high, except maybe uh, Pat Richards could have kicked potentially that many um, consecutive goals. But I'd honestly give him a couple of points, a couple of extra points there for just for being a good goal kicker because we've been yeah, crying out for one of those for so bloody long. We've finally got one. Uh, Isaiah Publi, 7.3. Johnny Bateman, 6.7. Papa, um, he's starting to show a bit of a uh, bit of Parramatta. Papa as well as we go along. Uh, young Pole, 4.8. He's, yeah, he's not in great form at the moment. Anything to add on our back three, back row, back, th- back row three? Oh, it's good to see Papa Lee, you know, be that player that we're hoping to be. Um, that try he set up for Buller, he actually mm. receives the ball from Buller, uh, you know, palms off one guy. And then you can see while he's sort of getting tackled in that initial contact, he switches hands, you know, and like puts a ball in the other hand into his left hand so he can offload it to Buller. He basically did that out of nothing. There was nothing on. Like, Buller's just giving him the ball and said, do your thing. And, and then he sets up Buller, so... But again, you know, what a night Bullers had. <laughs> Two tries and then, you know, the try say holding up uh, Marju and then, you know, getting in, in Dominic Young's way to cause another no try there. He, and, you know, he just he's just always putting his body on the line, guys. It's just it's an absolute pleasure to watch. Uh, the bench, Jakey Simpkin, 4.7. My guy is Sean Bloor, 7.4. So he was third highest for this game. Uh, Alex 12, 5.2. Alex Safarth, 5.7. But, yeah, Sean Bloor, I I can't tell you technically why, but as soon as Sean Bloor came on, I don't know, the team, maybe there was the movement in my pants, but it just seemed like the uh, <laughs> it just seemed like the momentum of the team just up, the intensity of the West Tigers upped when Sean Bloor came on the field. Am I crazy? Not at all. I think I think he's he's got some confidence now. Like he's, mm. you know, he's. I mean, subconsciously he had to be worried about his leg. You know, like given given the long layoff he had, and you know he's getting a number of games under his belt, and he's had a couple of good performances, and he's starting to, you know, create an offload here and there, and and both him and Safarth were outstanding against Cronulla. So I think he's just he's just come in and he's had a bit of confidence. That's all, and. And it's good to see. It's 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 the Sean Bloor we want to see. And and I'll be honest, I expect more out of him too. So, you know, I think the sky's the limit for him. Absolutely. Uh Roto, moving on. Anything anyone else as you want to touch on before we move on? No, I think that pretty much covers it. We just all know that um if Sean Bloor does end up signing an extension, the first person in his DMs is gonna be you, Josh. So <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't DMs. begrudge you that at all. Shoot him a text. Mate, I got his phone number. I'll shoot him a text. Uh, 
few X's of those at the end of it. Uh, some of your best comments from the player tender rating, ten to one rating poll. So yeah, keep an eye out after the game on Twitter and Facebook to take part in this. So Adam said, brave effort, but like Rob says, I'm sick of saying that. I want the two points. Uh, Boyd said, why isn't Jareem already signed on a healthy long-term deal? Clearly the kid can play. Bloor really strong again in the middle. Hopefully we can extend him as well. Unfortunately for us, we won't be winning many games with these reserve grade halves. How is Kepa still getting a game? Love the show, fellas. Uh, Chris W says, cannot be happy conceding seven tries, just not my DNA. Cannot defend an error penalty to save our life. Defense is attitude, and it's just not good enough. Uh, clone Buller and his attitude. Replace the other 16 fellas, and we'll, we will be right. Uh, he said, I worry with these performances. A few things. One, paying overs percentage continues to rise. Each bad performance, maybe 20% more to come to us currently. Uh, the youngsters might not be keen to hang around. Uh, the ones we want to keep might 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 not get over this five-year plan. And I wonder if the plan might need to be rigged moving forward. If we have the same or near similar team next year, it'll be a, seri- be a spoon year again. Uh, I disagree yeah, I mean, with that last part. Yeah, I disagree with that. I think the squad's... You've got to remember the injuries in the moment. No, like, we've got... Th- still got... No, no Adam, no Brooksy. That's our... Six and seven, if um, and then yeah, no Brooks here at all next year. So um, like the the seven's going to be a completely different player from the the seven at the start of this yeah. year, no matter what. Um, TBA, but uh, they they do need to in saying that they do need to make a few. So they got the cash, so fucking they need to work out how to it. score points in the in the in the red zone. That's just been the main issue all year. Yeah, and I think a bit of yeah, a, a couple of backs signed up. Um. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think we're a wooden spoon team next year. But I said that this year. Uh, Josiah said, "Where do we even go from here? Fans cancelling memberships. Youth want nothing to do with us. Any good young players will be stupid not to move on ASAP. Players getting in a rut where nothing will mentally uh, get them uh, mentally get them up. All the while, the likes of Lee and Pasco pat themselves on the back. Absolute insanity." New halves aren't even half the problem now. Unfortunately, even if you put Cleary and whoever's into our system, we would be the same results. Um, you're nodding your head along to that one, Rob. Well, mate, I mean, is he going to stop those tries on the left edge or the right edge? Like, you, we need outside backs as well as a halfback. It's it's not just one. Yeah, like, certainly we need that steering. We need the halfback's number one priority. But if we've got the same, you know, number two, three, four, and five next year, we're fucked. So, yeah, we do need outside backs. And how do we attract them when we're fighting with each other with our player recruitment and our coaches? It's just, you know, that, that's, that's the frustrating part for me. Like what Josiah was saying earlier, you know, how's it going to change? I'll tell you how it changes. We need the NRL to step in and threaten these goons with deregistering our licence and then you'll get some change, okay? And, but how, how do we get the NRL to get involved is another question. But that, that's the way you got to do it. you got to threaten them with, with some sort of action, whether it's legal action or the NRL stepping in, you know, not not signatures on a, you know, petition. Uh, Tim Colgate said, after that first set and try, in brackets, fuck off, it was 
fuck off it was batted forward. Uh, I was super disappointed with the performance. Typical Tigers, once we have something go against us, we turn to water. Then I start feeling optimistic when we score some tries, then we just can't hold on. At the end of the day, if any other team had their second and third choice spine, they would be in the same position. Forever a Tiger. Keep up the good work, boys. The fish rots from their head. Enough said. Uh, ben Angus said, ref conspiracy aside, it was woeful watching again. Wingers defending in the infield, allowing simple cutouts for tries, not bending uh, pack forwards, not bending back forwards. In the opening sets, zero creativity in the halves, taking Appy off when Knights were down to 12. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, Appy coming off during the Simbin. Yeah, I guess it was just part of the plan. Uh, Buller is a superstar and who will not stay at this rabble. Bloor was amazing. Be worth a start soon. And then Dominic, Dominic Riordan, he said, the team is so fragile mentally. The early disallowed tries seemed to deflate them. The edge defense was diabolical. Kapoor is not a winger. Uh, Toa, well, the ceiling is high, but the floor is very low. Tupo needs a spell. That chase for the gamble try was poor. Um, definitely, yeah, the effort. Yeah, he just gave up on that one. Uh, the forwards tried hard. Stefano's second spell was good. Great to see Papa Lee get a bit of early ball. Buller was phenomenal. 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 <laughs> phenomenal. Phenomenal. Thank you. And Appy was great. Alas, we look unlikely to win another game. It's truly disgraceful that this team could end up with fewer wins than the 2022 Tigers. And that does it. Thank you, everyone, to take part in that. And patreon.com forward slash Westlife. If you like this support and take part in the show, they're not taking part in this show because um, we are nearly, as Gussie said, he loves a, a long a long episode. Um, I think Shane did send me his rant. I just haven't copied and pasted it yet. But we will get, we'll do your questions on Wednesday's show uh, as well. So Shane's rant. Uh, here another week another drama will uh, when will it end sheen's being left out of today's crisis meeting i see as a positive as he must be on the outer the sooner he's gone the better my question is benji the answer what do you guys think i don't think he is benji must have had some input coaching this year and we're last this isn't entirely his fault as he's as he is still learning i just don't think we can afford rolling the dice again and then friday night kapoa what the f from Shane, anything to add to that, boys? Uh, look, with the Benji one, it's a really tough one because we're pretty much known he's been the coach all year. So, you know, the losses are on him. The losses are on him and Sheen's, but the losses are on him. So, yeah, I, I just think he's in an unfair position. It's his first year. He shouldn't have even been given the job, given he's had no experience anywhere else. But, you know, the question is, will he be a good coach? And I think the answer is yes. We've started this journey with him. We've, we've got to leave it there now. But, you know, we've certainly made some, you know, diabolical decisions, like the fact that we got rid of Hastings, the fact that we got rid of Joe Offer and Gowie. You know, Braith and Nasser spoke tonight about, you know, what sort of DNA, what sort of player do we want at the club? And, you know, Joe Offer and Gowie is one of those guys you want on the field every week. You know he's going to give it his all. He gave it his all last year in a team that came freaking last. He was the best player in that team. And it's very hard to get motivated when you're in a shit team. So he's obviously got self-motivation. He loves the club and we got rid of him. So that just shows that, you know, we don't even know how to keep the right people. We get rid of the wrong people. Just a fucking shit show. Absolute shit show. Uh, I don't think this episode was a shit show. I think um, Peter on Facebook. Everything's a shit show. 
everything's a shit show. Not this. This isn't a shit show. So please join us again on Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. as we preview uh, the shit show versus the Dragons. Um, yeah, the game's obviously Thursday night. So, yeah, join us live the night before. On this one, I uh, believe, as I said earlier, Jay Benz, who uh, joined us for the Dragons preview earlier in the year, will he be wearing sunglasses uh, indoors on camera again? I don't know. Probably he's a bit of a loose unit, but um, hopefully we're going to have a, a bit of fun that one, a bit more, uh, yeah, lightheartedness to the bit, bit of funniness to the show he can bring. So anything else, boys? Nearly um, two hours strong this one. Um, I'm exhausted. But I hope, um, yeah, hope everyone enjoyed this episode. And we literally had, I think, well over 100 people simultaneously watching us. So as I said earlier, love you guys. And thank you for contributing to the show, joining us live. We love, as much as we hate this team at the moment, we love, we actually do love doing this. So anything else, boys, before we say goodnight to Big Dog? No, all good. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your week. I think we'll beat St. George, depending on who we pick. But, yeah, we'll see how we go. Uh, Carlos said, go Daniel Ricciardo. He's back. He's uh, I don't know if you boys have heard. He's back in Formula 1 this weekend, racing for uh, Alpha Tori, the Red Bulls' second team. So, Can he play on the wing? Can he play on the wing? Probably. <laughs> okay, we'll pick him tomorrow night. He'd, he'd probably have to put a bit of weight on, though. He's uh, very skinny, being an F1 driver. Fair enough. Right, everyone, thank you for joining us tonight. As always, despite it being an absolute shit show and the absolute Muppets running the show, go the Tigers. Go the Tigers. Go the Tigers. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Westlife Podcast. Please follow us at Westlife Pod on Instagram and Twitter and facebook.com forward slash westlifepod. You can also support and take part in the show at patreon.com forward slash westlife and give us a subscribe on YouTube and turn notifications on. We'll see you again next time on another episode of the Westlife Podcast.